0: I've got really two questions this morning, and it's two questions that have been kind of stirring in my heart. And just excuse me for a second. All right. That rug's been bothering me. All right, we're good now. <laughs> um, two questions this week that's just been kind of stirring in my heart as I, as I look at this t- text. And, and the first one is, um, if I say Jesus is Lord of my life, what, what kind of Lord is he? What, what kind of Lord is he? And, and if I say Jesus is, is Savior of my life, what kind of Savior is he? Like, like, what does that really mean for me? What does that mean? What does it mean for us as God's people to say that Jesus is, is Lord and Savior of my life? Um, one of the things that I, I love to do, my, my wife will attest to this, is any time there's any kind of championship game going on, um, I love to watch the last few minutes. It could be a blowout. Um, it, it, it could be one, the game's already you know, been determined you know, in the, the fourth quarter or the second half or whatever. And, but I love to watch the last few minutes, and, and I love to watch the celebration, Right? I, I love to see guys going crazy, confetti falling, and guys jumping on each other or, or whatever. I, I just love that scene. And I always get to catch the, the post-game comments of, of the coaches and, and the players and, you know, when the interviewers are rushing up and saying, you know, coach, what are you going to say about this victory? And, and, and phrases that we've kind of got used to hearing is that, you know, first of all, I want to uh, thank God and give all glory to him. Or even most recently, people will say, uh, first of all, I want to just thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which we're, we're like, yeah, that, 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 man, that's awesome. And, and most recently, one of my favorite guys who I just have, have really just started just kind of following and, and reading about and, and looking at his history and just kind of the program that he's leading is a guy by, by the name of Davo Sweeney at, at Clemson University and I just have been reading up on him and love just his story and of life and, and some of the things that God's been doing in his life and his faith and this past recent um, January when they won the NCAA uh, football championship over Alabama quite handily by the way um, Uh, I I love watching just them talk to him right after the game because it it was just basically all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. But it it got me thinking this week as I look at this text, and, and we can say a lot of things like Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but what kind of Lord and what kind of Savior is he to you? And so maybe if I could just maybe toss in another word to that phrase, if I could this morning, What if if we said that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and my treasure? Because does that change the game a little bit? I, I think so. I think so. Because there's a lot of phrases and sayings that we can just throw out there. But if we say Jesus is my Lord and Savior and my treasure, because what that means is, I treasure him as my Lord. I treasure him as my Savior. I think that's upping something. I think that's saying, not with just mere words, but listen, he is my all. And I value him as everything I need. He is the greatest value, He's, he, he has the greatest worth. And I want to honor him. I want to love him. I want to more than just admire him, I want to worship him as my treasure. Is Jesus your treasure this morning? Because I think that's been the goal of Luke. As we've walked through this series, we're almost done with it. When we get around Easter, we're going to say goodbye to the gospel of Luke. We've been in it for over a year. And his whole goal is we want to treasure Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That he's everything to us. He's our all in all. We want to seek first his kingdom. That's the goal of this writing. And so when we come to a text like this this morning, and we kind of read it, Isaac reads it for us, and we kind of read it, we're like, whoa whoa, 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 okay, what is all this meaning? He's mentioning David, and he's got Lord in there twice, and it's almost like they're speaking to each other, and man, okay, I need some help here. And I'm like, I'm with you, because this is a very technical couple of verses here. And so what does all this mean for you and I? I think real simply is what kind of Lord, what kind of Savior is Jesus to us? And do we treasure him as that truly in our life? And so if we could look at the text, okay, what's the context though? Where are we? It's Holy Week. We're hours away from when Jesus is going to go to the cross. And so he has quieted the religious crew. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians have had their chance with him. And they've volleyed over the net different questions back and forth. And and Jesus at this point has silenced them. He has quieted his critics, and so he's had a great defense, but now he's going to come on the offense, (laughs) and just like every good team, he has a great offense as well, and he's going to volley a question back over the net to them. And here it is, look what he says. He says, then he said to them, and so this is to the religious leaders, specifically probably the Sadducees, but probably all of them at this point, and also the people that are hanging around listening. So this is the crowd, this is the critics, This are the religious leaders. He says to them, how is it that they say the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, You're with me? So so here's the deal. Let me me just stop for a second. Jesus is going to take an Old Testament passage, Psalm 110.1, and he's gonna use it in his debate, in his conversation, in his questioning of the religious people. So can we just stop there for a second? The scripture, right, is profitable. It's good. For every circumstance and situation in life. And Jesus models that right here, so much so that he goes to the Old Testament, right? And he pulls out Psalm 101. And based on what David's gonna say in Psalm 101, he's gonna make a biblical truth. He's gonna declare a biblical truth. And so we'll listen to what he says here. He says, so David says this in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore David calls him Lord. And how is he, you with me on this, his son? How is the Lord that, G, that David is speaking of, how is he the son of David? Okay, so there's a lot of things going on here. So when I said this is a very technical passage, this is very technical, right? And and so at the beginning this morning, that's what we're going to do. I I figured you'd do better at the beginning getting real technical than maybe at the end when your stomach starts gurgling a little bit and you've got um, food on your mind. And so here we go. Jesus asked a question. Okay, so it's good to ask questions, right? Jesus asked them, they're good for learning. It's how we we learn things. It was common back then, it was a common belief in Judaism that the Messiah, the one who is coming to save, comes from the lineage of King David. That was a common belief by the Jews. That was something they hung on to. So the shepherd boy from Israel who uh, who became king after Saul all right, and then after him came Solomon, his son. His lineage would be a forever kingdom lineage according to what God said to him in the Davidic covenant. And so the Jews believed that there would be a human, a man, that would be a Messiah, a political figure, a conquering earthly king, who would come from the lineage of King David, and so they believed this. In fact, that's what they were looking for and waiting for, and they're still waiting today. They're still waiting today. I had a guy tell me back in the 90s. Students, do you know when the 90s were or are? Okay, they're out there. Wait, they're pretty far out there. So, Back in the 90s, when I was in Israel, I remember a guy, I was sitting on a bus with the, the bus driver of our, of our tour, and I'll never forget saying to him, I said, Javi, I said, hey man, you've said a lot about the God of the Old Testament, you've said a lot about Jesus, the God of the New Testament, who is God of really Old Testament and New Testament, he's the God of all, and you, you've spoken a lot of him, and you seem to know a lot of scripture, is Jesus your Messiah? Because I know you, you claim to be a Jew, and he said, no, 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 no. He is not my Messiah. He may be your Messiah, but I'm still waiting for mine. Okay? And that's a belief that Jews have. They're, they're looking for this one to come in the line of David, a man, an earthly, political, conquering king. They're still waiting and looking for him. And so the religious leaders of Jesus' day and, and Jews believe this, Okay? But, here's what I want you to hear. They did not believe that the Messiah, and this is key, they did not believe that the Messiah would be King David's Lord. And so this is when Jesus, when he brings Psalm one when he brings this here and he speaks it the way that he speaks it, this is where the fire that has is, is already been stoked is gonna start blazing, and anger is gonna just start f- pulling over, because basically what he's saying here is King David, all right, the Messiah is even his Lord. Whoa, whoa. And so how does he say that here? And so let's look at it, because what Jesus is saying is Psalm 110, verse one, is prophetic. It's, it's, it's a word of prophecy, Because it isn't just talking about who's going to be the next king in in the line of David. It's not just pointing to Solomon. He's not talking about that. But he's actually talking about something that is eternal, something that is divine. And that's going to rattle these leaders to the core. And so look at verse 42, because this this can be a little confusing. So hang with me here. And we're going to get some application in a little bit. But look at verse 42. For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord. So who's the first Lord? Right. Just a hint, when you study the Bible, when you see capital letters used in Lord for all of it, most of the time, pretty much all the time, it, it means Yahweh. It, it, it means the one God who is true, who has been in existence forever. He has no beginning or no end. Joey used this term a little bit ago in in our time of worship. He is the uncreated God, right? He is God. He is holy. It's the same God who came to Moses at the burning bush. And when Moses asked, who shall I say has sent me when I go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go out of the slavery of the Egyptians, God says to him, tell him I am who I am has sent me. And and so this idea of of Lord right here is that, okay? Okay. And so here, when David is speaking in Psalm one, what Jesus is saying is what he was saying is Father God in heaven is speaking and he is saying, and this is David, David is saying, he is saying to my Lord. You, you in the weight of this? I hope so. He's saying the Father God is saying to my Lord. King David is declaring, so who is the second Lord. It's a term in Psalm one ten one. it's the Hebrew word Adonai, which is parallel to the title Yahweh. And so Jesus right here in the New Testament is specific, specifically referring to, in this case, that this Lord, the second one, is the Messiah. And so Jesus is making the point here in Psalm 110 that David is referring to the Messiah, so, when he says that the first Lord, my father, is saying to the Lord, he is saying, he is speaking to the Messiah. He is speaking to Jesus. Not about you, but sometimes when we read the Bible, maybe we don't let things just wow us. But I, I got to say, this is wow. This has a wow factor to it. Because here's an earthly man, okay, who is a king his lineage is going to go on forever and he is going to have king after king after king after king and he is saying, listen, <laughs> there is one who is master even over me and the God of the heavens who reigns above all is speaking to him and saying something. And so I think what that means is we got to sit back and go, wow, what is, what is this conversation in heaven that David had a glimpse into and that God ordained for Jesus to share with us in this biblical truth to these religious leaders. So what is the point? What's the point that Jesus is making? It's, it's, it's great. He's saying this, if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? So here, here's the thing. If, if David is calling the Messiah Lord, how is he also David's son, right? How is he an heir to the throne of David. First of all, if you think about that word Lord, what did it mean throughout the Old Testament? Let me give you one passage just to look at. Deuteronomy 10, 17, it says, the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. So when we use this, see this term Lord in the Old Testament, it's referring to more than just a master. It is deity. Right and specifically that's what it's talking about here in Deuteronomy 10 and also here in Luke's gospel as Jesus is saying this. So what's the point? And here's the point I want you to get: Jesus is saying right here in verse 42, if the Messiah is only David's son, a human, okay, how is it that David calls him Lord, meaning Lord God, deity? He's divine, because that's what it means. And so what's the point Jesus is making here is, hey, listen. The the Messiah is not just a mere man, okay? But he is God. He's not just the son of David, but he is the son of God. He's the son of God. That's the point. So in this little phrase, there is so much meaning. Now, here's the question. What is Father God saying to the Messiah? What's the conversation all right, in heaven. Here it is. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So he's saying to him, come sit at my right hand, meaning I'm gonna give you the highest position of honor and authority over everything so the Father puts the Messiah in an equal place of power and authority with himself. And so Jesus making the statement is saying, listen, I'm the one, okay, I'm the one that David was speaking of, that God was talking to. I am him, and I have the same authority that God in heaven has. And, and, and we see that this is going to be evident and that this is going to be fulfilled in his dying on the cross, in his resurrection, and his ascension to where now he sits at the right hand of God in all power, all glory in heaven. And he has Authority. He is Lord of all. And then he says this not not only that, but until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So, what this means is Jesus now sits at the right hand of God and he is going to sit there until he makes his enemies a footstool for his own feet. So, Jesus is, is going to come again, and when he comes again, right? he won't come like he did before. He, he came in all humility, right? As a babe in a manger. But he will come again in all power and, and glory and bring judgment upon the earth so that, that those who do not receive him and believe in him and treasure him as Lord, he, they will become a footstool to his feet. Now, what's a footstool? A footstool is a resting place for your feet. And so this is a metaphor for armies and 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 kings and when they would go into battle when they would defeat their enemies is this picture of them putting their foot on their necks right and it was a picture of conquering it was a peak picture of they were vanquishing their enemies they were putting another under their power excuse me under their conquering force and uh, the father is saying to jesus that's who jesus is he has all authority he has all power Even over the enemies, and so what a great scene this is, right? When Jesus is declaring this to his these religious leaders who are his enemies, and it's basically saying, "Hey, you, you may think you have the upper hand now, but I want you to know that one day you will be under my foot because you don't trust me as Lord." And so this is a power for powerful word. And so what's it saying? Jesus is saying that David called him the Messiah, who would be a descendant in his line, sit on an eternal throne as Lord. And he is God, and the Father will give him equal power, equal authority, and he will subject the Messiah's enemy to his rule. And Jesus is saying here, that's me. That's me. And where do we find this in other scriptures? It's interesting, this text is used in, Matthew, it's used in Mark, it's used here in Luke. Peter also used it as part of his sermon on the day of Pentecost. Let me read to you Acts 2, 34 through 36. It says this, for it was not David who ascended into heaven, but who ascended, obviously Christ did, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, and so here's what Peter's gonna say. He's gonna say, hey, this this is a truth about Jesus And so he's going to say to specifically the Jews listening that day, I want you to know this about Jesus. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. He is Messiah. He is both Lord and Savior, this Jesus whom you've crucified. And so what's Jesus' point? It's what Peter said. He's basically saying this day, before these religious leaders in this crowd, he's declaring, I am Lord of all. I am the Messiah. I am the savior of all. And the big question is, what kind of Lord is he to us? What kind of savior is he to us? Do we treasure him? There were many in his day that didn't, right? There were some that thought it was cool to follow Jesus. He was almost like another patch on their jacket, right? And there were those who were her critics who, who hated him. And Jesus even calls them out. Look at verse 45 through 47. It says, while all the people were listening, okay? That's in contrast to the religious people who weren't, right? They didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. But when there were those who were listening, and he said to his disciples, his disciples are his followers, and he said to them, beware, be on guard of the scribes. The scribes are the religious teachers, okay? I, I, I think what he's saying right here is beware of religion. Because what does Jesus ultimately want from us? He doesn't want religion. Go to Isaiah chapter one and Jesus will tell you that your religion is weary to me. So much so, it it sickens him. He he wants to spit it out out of his mouth. He's like, hey, listen, you you can have all this external stuff, but if your heart has not been changed by me to where you follow me as Lord, and this is just going through the motions. And so he says, be on guard of these scribes. Be on guard of religion. Because what does Jesus ultimately want? He wants a relationship with us. He wants a loving relationship with us where we commune with him and he communes with us. He wants us. And so he says, be aware of these scribes, of religion. And what do they do? They like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation, okay? And so what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, hey, listen, those who submit to me, who who believe in me and follow me as Lord and Savior of of, of their life, they treasure me as that, they are not people of pride. They are not people of greed. And they are not people of hypocrisy. And he dresses that here, right? Pride, how do we see pride? Look at verse 45. They wear these long robes around. That's what the Jewish teachers did. And they like to prance around. That's what term I'm gonna use. And they love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and in the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. And so these guys would, would show up with these long robes. And they would go to the places where people were, where debates would take place, elections would take place, buying and selling would take place. And they would go into these places, and it basically is saying, here I am, look at me, I'm holy, by just my outward appearance. But here's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants those who treasure him as Lord and Savior. He wants them to not be about making much of themselves but making much of him. They want to do everything they can in their life to put the attention on Jesus. Those who treasure him as Lord and Savior because they're like, listen, he's Lord. I'm not. He is Lord of all. And so we see this pride here. Pride is a struggle, right? And we battle with that, right? That That's a point of tension, if, if, if we're all honest in here this morning, from, from me and I'm sure with you guys too, pride is tough. And Jesus addresses their pride, but he also addresses their greed. And so this is where their true colors are, are seen. Look what he says in verse 47. They also devour widows' houses. So the most vulnerable in their community Who were the widows, and also would have been the orphans as well, but specifically the widows, and they were dependent on these Jewish religious leaders. These widows were dependent on them for a lot. And it says here they devoured their houses. Now we don't know for certain what all that means, but it seems that they sought maybe too much contributions from them. Um. Maybe too high of commission for the work that they did. Maybe they, uh, not maybe, but they violated their trust. They, They violated their hospitality, these women who were dependent on them. It seems possible they maybe even took their homes or their property or possessions after debts were failed to be paid. And so the point is they mistreated and did not care for or love the most vulnerable. And so if you look at James, I, I forget where it's at, but it's, in James it says, what's true religion? It's taking care of who? Widows and orphans, right? Widows and orphans. And so these, who are supposed to be the example, right? These are your religious leaders. They devoured the houses of the most vulnerable. And so what does Jesus want? Jesus wants those who treasure him as Lord and Savior to put the needs of others before their own and to care for those who are the most vulnerable in your community, who have the biggest needs instead of taking advantage of them. We see people as as, as those we are to love, not to take advantage of or, or to get something out of them, but to love them. He also addresses hypocrisy. How do we see that? Look at verse 47. And for appearances' sake, they offer long prayers. You see, these guys may have looked religious on the outside with their long robes and their long prayers, but their hearts, as we see in verse forty-seven, were corrupt. Their hearts were spiritually dead. And so, we can put on the act religiously, and we can show up to the gatherings. But Jesus knows our hearts. Jesus knows the depths of our hearts. In fact, that's what he says in Matthew 12, 34 when he's talking to the Pharisees and the religious crew. He says, from the outer flow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Our heart will eventually show its true colors. And these guys, it did. It was all a show. It was all a show. You see, Jesus wants a relationship with us where we recognize that our hearts are corrupted. Our hearts are dead without him. And there's nothing that we can do to change that. But there's only one who can, and that's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens and has come down to earth and made himself nothing on our behalf. And he dwelled among us. And he went to a cross and he died for us. And he became sin on our behalf so that we could have a right relationship with God. He rose again on the third day, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering the enemy. He ascended into heaven where he sits now at the right hand of God. And he reigns over all. And he is Lord of overall. all. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, whether in heaven or in hell. And here's Jesus' heart for you. He wants to be with you forever. He wants to be with you now. He wants to be with you when he returns and in heaven forever. And the new kingdoms and the new earth, he wants that to be your destiny. That's his heart and that's his desire. He doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. And these guys missed it. And so the big question is, what kind of Lord is he to you? What kind of Savior is he to you? Is he your treasure? Do you treasure him as Lord and Savior? Is he everything to you? And so this whole week, I've been thinking, okay, Lord, what's a good way to respond to this? What's, what, how do we respond to this? What's, what's our response? And so all week, this verse... Just kept coming in my head, coming to my head, even almost like bugging me, right? You ever had that where the Lord bugs you with something? It's like the the great hound of heaven, right? The Holy Spirit. Um, and so this verse just kept, kept bugging me. And even yesterday, it just kept coming in my head. And, and I still didn't even write it down in my notes. Didn't, didn't, I didn't make it official in the manuscript. Those guys don't even have it this morning, right? Right, because you're gonna see and just, oh, I, no, I, t- I emailed you right before 9. There it is. Yes. That's right. I forgot. I, that's crazy, because in my head, I forgot. I did. I emailed you guys right before 9, and I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to let this one your Lord, so okay. <laughs> okay, so here, here's our response. I, I believe, I, I love this verse. It, it, it landed on me in 1998. And I can't get away from it, praise the Lord. So here it is. And I'm gonna say it a little bit differently. I have a different translation that I know of this, but I want you to see it. And, and so here's what I want you to hear. I believe this just should, should be our response of treasuring Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so there's four quick things that I just want you to jot down, and, and here, here they go. First thing is this. What is our response? It's yes. You see the word indeed up there? Another translation, it starts off, yes, Lord. Okay, it's two words, yes, Lord. There's an old um, gospel preacher back in the day and he gave a 25-minute sermon. You'd be like, oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> okay, but here's what he did. He, he, he started off by this. He went up to the pulpit and he said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And he kept saying, yes, Lord, and he got a little groove with it. Yes, Lord, yes. And then he eventually went to the piano and started playing, yes, Lord, yes. And you can imagine this crowd start swaying a little bit, getting a little going like this. Yes, Lord, yes. And people start standing. Yes, Lord, yes. 25 minutes, two words, yes, Lord. And then he stopped and he got to the pulpit and he said this. And he prayed. He bent his head down, closed his eyes, and he said, Lord, you've heard our answer. Now tell us what you want. You see, that's, that's what Jesus wants us, Lord, is simply our answer of yes, Lord. And then it says this, walking in the way of your truth or judgments, walking in the way of your truth. So here's the deal. Jesus doesn't doesn't just want the yes of our lips, okay? There was a lot of lip service that the religious people gave. But Jesus wants the yes of our feet. He wants the yes of our life. And ultimately, it begins with the yes of our heart. He wants our heart. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth. Lord, what's your word? What's your word? We want to obey it. We want, that's our answer to your word. Yes, we want to obey it, and we want to, instead of devouring the widow's houses, we want to care for the widows and love the most vulnerable. So yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth. And then it says this, we've eagerly waited for you. I I don't know about you, it's it's my, it it may be my favorite part of the verse now. It used not to be, because I didn't Completely understand what, what that fully meant, but it says we eagerly wait for you. These people, who, who, there were a remnant in Israel who, who were singing this song in Isaiah 26a. They were saying, God, we want you to come. We want your presence. We, we long for you. And so this wasn't just, I mean, we just wanna show up at 10 o'clock and do our church thing and get it on and then we'll be back next week and we'll see how this life rolls, right? It wasn't that, man. It was, Lord, we want your presence. We don't want it just in our gatherings or in our small groups during the week. We want it 24-7. Lord, we can't wait to get up from our sleep and our slumber at night, and then when that alarm comes off, Lord, we want the first thing on our heart and our mind and our lips to worship you because we long for your presence, God. That was their heartbeat. So you see, this is more than just we're giving a pass-by to Jesus weekly. No, this is, he is Everything He is treasure of our life, and we can't wait to meet with him. In time of the word, time in prayer, we can't wait to get to the gathering, right? Not at 1015, but at 955, maybe, 958, I'll give you that. We can't wait to get there and start getting our worship on, because we have longed to be with him this, this week, and we can't wait to meet with him and get with him with others. Oh, we can't wait. You with me? We, we eagerly wait for him, his return. But until then, oh, Lord, we want to taste and see your goodness. Okay? Then the fourth thing of treasuring him as Lord is, is this. Lord, your name and your renown is the desire of our hearts. Do you see the passion here? These are hearts that have been stirred. Their hearts have been changed. Their lives have been altered forever. By the king. So much so they say, Lord, who you are, your name, your character, okay? Your renown, meaning making your name known, your glory, Lord, is the desire of our soul down to the depth and to the heart of who we are. I don't care if the world knows my name. I don't care. But I want them to know the name of my Lord and my Savior. Let his name, right, be renowned. Let it be renowned. And so I think when we look at this very technical verse, in verse 42 and 43, and we read that Jesus is saying, I am Messiah and I'm Lord, I'm the Son of God. What does that mean? Is he saying this, I want you to treasure me. Because he is all loving, he is all caring. He gave his life, he humbled himself for us. He came through the heavens and he gave up all that he had so that we could have all that he has. <laughs> and that we could have eternal life forever with him. And so what kind of heart should we have is I think Isaiah 26, eight, that kind of heart. Yes, Lord, walking with your truth, we eagerly for you, your name, Lord, and you is the de- desire of our heart. That's treasuring him as Lord and Savior. If you would, bow your heads with me this morning.